0: Guys, welcome to Relatable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Better than organic chicken and craft beef. Shipped right to your front door. GoodRanchers.com slash Allie for a great deal. All right. Today, we are talking to Brad Palumbo. He is a libertarian. And he has a very different perspective on things as a conservative than I do. And a lot of social conservatives do. He would call himself socially moderate or maybe even socially liberal. So we disagree on quite a few things. And we might even disagree really on the future of the GOP. Like what should the Republican Party look like Uh, what role does the government play, if any, in the future of conservatism? What does it even mean to be a conservative? And so we're going to debate and discuss some of those things. It's going to be a very respectful conversation. I really hope that you appreciate it and learn from it. And so without further ado, here is Brad Palumbo. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you do?
1: Absolutely. Uh, My name is Brad Palumbo. I'm a libertarian conservative journalist and content creator and the co-founder of Based Politics, a new multimedia hub um, that we think uh, we're actually off to a great start, but we're publishing articles, TikToks, YouTube videos, that kind of thing. Um, So it's kind of similar to what you do at The Blaze, but a, a little different.
0: Yeah. And you got a little bit of pushback and I think you were probably expecting this. When you first came out with this name, Based Politics, because what you mean by based is not what a lot of conservatives mean by based. So can you talk about that distinction a little bit?
1: Yeah, so based has become a, a very online conservative term for yeah. for things that people think are the opposite of cringe that are like very rooted in values or on point. Uh, and it has become popular in what I would call like the nationalist faction of of the GOP or of the right people who are okay with some forms of big government, are more skeptical of capitalism and free markets, are uh, more concerned with what they would call the common good than individual liberty. Um, But it didn't start there. The term actually started uh, in the black community. Um, And it also is used by a lot of people outside of that faction now, including in more uh, liberty or freedom-oriented sections of the right. And so part of what we wanna do is my co-founder Hannah Cox and I are people who believe in uh, somewhat more uh, traditionally classically conservative values like free markets, like constitutionalism, uh, like limited and restrained government. And so we're hoping to kind of rebrand. And we did know that would come with pushback because what we think is based is those values, right? The kind of things that Ronald Reagan cared about, not the things that some of these um, more fringe kind of nationalist next generation leaders would have you believe are based.
0: I think one of the biggest disagreements that we probably have is what is the foundation of conservatism? What is the moral foundation of conservatism, which I don't I think the people that you're talking about are typically Catholic and I'm not Catholic. And so there are probably a lot of theological and maybe even political disagreements that I would have with some of the people that you are talking about. Although I do think I agree with them when it comes to like, what is conservatism fundamentally and what is needed Um, to be preserved if we want all of these other things, like a free market, like capitalism, like more restrained government, smaller government. And I would argue that that... Um, the, the theological foundation provided by Christianity, the definition of family and marriage uh, provided by Christianity is actually necessary for conservatism as a philosophy um, to take hold and to influence our policies. That is what I would consider, and I'm not saying at all that I'm the arbiter of what is based. But when I think of based, I think of those nuclear family centric, even just in a general sense uh christian theological foundation of conservatism that's what i think of when i think of based but i don't think that you and i are coming from the same position on that at all
1: no uh, but i will make a distinguishment here that i i don't claim to speak for social conservatism i don't claim to be a social conservative i would say i'm socially moderate i'm not religious I'm gay. uh, But I'm also not like woke or with the far left on any of these issues. So I would describe myself as socially center right. But I don't claim to speak for social conservatism. But political conservatism in American history, especially in recent decades, has in many ways been about more than social conservatism, right? Fusionism was also about the Constitution and free markets and individual liberty was Ronald Reagan, who said the heart and soul of conservatism is libertarianism. Now, obviously, conservatism is not the same thing as all out libertarianism. But I think the things that we need to conserve are the classically liberal institutions that keep us free. I mean, nothing has been better for religious conservatives and social conservatives and people like me than the First Amendment that protects our right to free speech, our freedom of religion, our freedom of conscience, all of those things that are a bulwark against whether it's woke oppression or oppression from the other side. That's the things that we need to preserve. And what I my concern with the kind of um, like you talked about, they tend to be Catholic, but the nationalist types, the post liberals, some of them would call themselves, is that they would undercut things like the First Amendment in the pursuit of like short term victories against wokeness or whatever. Um, but in doing so, they actually gut the system that has kept us free. And, and that system is what I think we need to conserve.
0: I think that the argument would probably be that there have always been limits on the First Amendment. There have always been limits on free speech. The question is who gets to decide what those limits are. And thus far, it has been, or at least recently, I won't say thus far, but recently it has been leftist ideologues, whereas people on the right would say, "Okay, well, if someone's going to limit free speech, Then the right should be in charge. Uh, Conservatives should be in charge of what those limitations are if there are going to be limitations. And you can argue that the limitations should be very, very small, but who gets to say what those limitations are? It seems like, at least in the public sphere, if not legally, the left seems to be the ones to say, um, well, this is what you can and cannot say. And so I think. The people on the right, perhaps, that you're talking about would say, well, okay, fine. If we're going to have restrictions, if we're going to have, you know, changing definitions, then the right needs to be on the front lines of pushing back against that using whatever tools possible.
1: But that last sentence that you just said is where that becomes an issue for me, using whatever tools possible. I'll just give you an example who I think we both know and who's a nice guy. Josh Hammer, the opinion editor at Newsweek. Yeah,
0: love Josh Hammer. Just had him on the podcast.
1: Right. And I'm not saying anything against him personally, but he tweeted something that I think gives us a good example of what you're talking about. He was very upset by Apple unveiling a pregnant man emoji. And he in his response criticizing it said the government needs to use state action to crush wokeness. Now, look, a pregnant man emoji is very stupid. It's very silly. I'm not here to defend that. Um, But the idea that that requires us To then go and use state action to crush ideas, wokeness is an idea, it's an ideology, um, is very disturbing to me and it seems like we are, uh, because guess what, social conservatives are not a majority in this country necessarily. Religious people are decreasingly less of a majority and so if you want to start using the state, which is different from private sector censorship, which I object to, but it's fundamentally different to have the government throw you in jail or lock you up than it is to have Spotify ban you. It's fundamentally different. They're both can be problematic, right? Um, But when you are willing to concede that the government can squash bad ideas, I think that's very dangerous. I mean, conservatives know that the fallacy behind this logic of, well, when we are in charge, it will be different. When our team has the power, it'll be different. Socialism will work this time because it'll be our version with our people in charge. We know that that doesn't work. And so i'm worried to see this logic developing on some corners of the right that the way to fight wokeness is to basically start using leftist tactics and empowering the government i mean the average federal bureaucrat has the politics of elizabeth warren Mm -hmm. so the idea that by growing the government and giving it more expansions and invasions of our liberty we're going to be able to push you know conservative or just moderate values To me, it doesn't make any sense at all. And part of what we want to do at base politics is to amplify a different vision.
0: Okay, guys, got to take a break to talk about our first sponsor for the day, and that is ExpressVPN. So using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your baggage at the airport without a lock. You think that your stuff is kept private, but you don't know who's going through your baggage. Think about everything that you keep in your bags. You wouldn't want someone rummaging through that. You don't want someone rummaging through what you are doing online. You've got a lot of private information on there. It's really important for you to protect it. When you go online without a VPN, the internet service provider can see every single website you visit. They can legally sell this information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you to sell products. I mean, it's just a crazy racket. So you need to protect yourself and your online privacy by using ExpressVPN. It's exactly what I use, what my husband uses. We put it on all of our devices to make sure that our information, that our privacy is protected when we are using our phones, when we're using our computers just one account can be used on up to five different devices i got my parents using express vpn it's just a great product it's really easy to use all you got to do is create your account and you download the app and you download the app on all the different devices that you want to use it on and then you're protected it just runs in the background it doesn't change anything about what you do um on your phone you can it can um block your location for different websites and things like that. And so it's just peace of mind. That's why I really like it. Plus you can get a good deal if you go to expressvpn.com slash alley. That's exp-r-e-s VPN.com slash alley, you'll get a, uh, an extra three months for free with that link. That's expressvpn.com slash alley, expressvpn.com slash alley. I think that the argument is that Classical liberalism doesn't seem to have uh, the same power to push back against wokeism, which really is so much more than just like a counterpart to classical liberalism. It truly is a religion in itself. And it, of course, is willing to use whatever tool possible, including the power of the government, no matter how totalitarian, in order to achieve its goals. And I think the argument from the conservative side would be Okay, rather than just saying, okay, well, we're not going to we're not going to be like you, which I totally I totally hear what you're saying. I 100 percent hear what you're saying. And I would say that typically and naturally my sympathies lie with what you're saying, although although it does seem like classical liberalism trying to compete against the power of wokeness that is so institutionalized, it's just not a fair match. And so I just wonder, like... OK, if it's not the power of the government, if we are not harnessing the powers that already exist in the advancement of what you see to be good and right and true, which I think is contradictory to wokeness, then how do you push back against this institutionalized woke, uh, wokeness, which, like I said, is harnessing all of the powers that exist to absolutely crush dissent and everything that we hold dear?
1: Yeah, look, I, like I said, I'm no friend of wokeness. I'm not going to spend a second trying to, def- to defend that or anything. Um, but it, I will say this, this argument from certain corners of the right that you're doing, I think, an excellent job of articulating, to me, it also sounds like something I hear from people on the left when it comes to guns. They say, well, people are being killed with guns. I'm like, OK, yes, that's true. That's bad. And then they say, here are our policy solutions. And I say, well, those are all bad. They don't make sense. They won't work. And they'll disarm law abiding people. And they say, well, we have to do something. And I say, well, no, we don't, because if the options are only bad, you're actually better off doing nothing. But we don't have to do nothing. I will say that Um, one of the most effective ways that we have to combat like wokeness, which is really like left wing illiberalism, the desire to like crush the Christian baker and uh, everything that I know you're very familiar with. Right. right? is actually what something President Trump did that was very traditionalist and and not a new kind of conservatism, which was put originalist judges on the bench. I mean, this Supreme Court just struck down Biden's vax mandate. It's going to strike down affirmative action, I believe. It may, and I know this is very important to you, chip away at or get rid of Roe entirely. So... I think that that traditional legal conservative movement was committed to the Constitution, to all of these things we're talking about that they're saying aren't good enough, and that the victory of that movement is now defending us and giving us our most legitimate way to fight back. And and people on the right are winning on a lot of these things in the courts and in the legal system. I mean, the First Amendment has done more to protect religious freedom and Christian groups on campuses and so many other things over the last 30, 40 years than we could possibly know. Um, but if we undermined it in the short of short-term pursuit of say, like prohibiting Apple from having stupid emojis. Uh, And the emoji is actually funny to me, by the way, because it's mostly going to be used, I think, to make jokes about how full people are or how fat they are once they've eaten a huge meal. But I agree. Right. It's a stupid idea. Um, But if we undermine something like that to go and shut down Apple's ability to have emojis we don't like. Um, I think it's just really short sighted.
0: Well, I'd be interested to know what Josh would say to that, because, as you know, he's a brilliant person who I guarantee really thought about his position. And so I would it would be fascinating, actually, to hear you guys debate and discuss this issue because you are both very smart. I think you're both very grounded in what you believe. And I think everyone would benefit from that conversation. Um, because of course I am coming from this from a moral perspective, in that I don't just disagree politically with I'm talking about the hard left. I'm not just talking about, okay, do you think that we should have different border policy or do you think that maybe we should have more government welfare programs? That kind of stuff I think can all be debated. But I truly do see the kind of left wing ideology that seems to be parasitical in nature and seems to want to suck the life out of everything. That is good and right and true. I do see it as um, a huge threat. And so I will say, even as someone who I would say mostly agrees with a lot of what you're saying, um, I do also find myself very sympathetic to the other side of this argument saying, Look, it's not enough just to say, oh, we're not like them. We're not going to use the power of the government when we have the chance to or we're not going to push back institutionally on these things. I don't know. There's just something about drag queen story hour that I guess uh, that I guess makes me want to use the power of the government to do something about it more than I more than I originally maybe would have you know, thought I had in me a few years ago. The moral yeah, wrong well, just kind of. I'm
1: also, um, me. I'm certainly not an anarchist, right? So if you can convince me that something is like literally harmful to children or child abuse or something, I'm not here saying, well, we should just let that be legal and yeah. it's the fruits of liberty. Um, but it's a different question when it comes to kinds of speech um, and also. I would just go back to, what is the solution? Well, I do have one solution, sort of, that I could offer. And I would just say, like, over the last two years, I think, if anything, we've seen why the liberty element of conservatism is so important. I mean, people's livelihoods were made illegal by the government. They were confined to their homes. People have had their lives crushed by the state over the last two years in a million different ways. Their fundamental individual rights, like the, I'm pro-vax, anti-mandate, right? your right to bodily autonomy has been crushed uh, or attempted to be by the government. So I think we've seen really up close and personal the perils of big government and what has made someone like ron desantis such a good governor it's actually liberty-based governance right we're not locking you down we're keeping our schools open you can o- you can wear a mask if you want to you can take the vaccine if you want to it's all about like letting. But he people is also
0: using his power to try to restrict the power of corporations from doing things that we on the right see as oppressive like he's trying to harness big He's trying to harness, or at least at one point was trying to harness, companies' ability to you know require the vaccine and masks and things like that. I'm not sure if that actually was instituted, but I think that's what a lot of a lot of people on the right see is that yes, okay, as you said, it's fundamentally different if a business discriminates against someone. Well, it is fundamentally different, but it can still be almost as consequential. For example, if someone is totally deplatformed and they have no way to you know. Uh, make money. It's not the same thing as going to jail, but it is still extremely consequential. And so I think that there are people on the right who are saying, OK, look at Ron DeSantis. He is using his power to try to hold back the oppressiveness of corporations because he sees that the unfettered growth of any bureaucratic system, whether it's the government or a private entity, a company, um, can still trample upon people's. Liberty. And so I would actually argue that people are pointing to Ron DeSantis to make a different point than the one that you're making. Yes, it's rooted in liberty, but it's also rooted in the realization that companies can trample upon someone's liberty, not in the same way that a government can, but in a similar fashion.
1: He's so he is Pat. He's kind of appeasing both crowds right now. He's doing a lot of stuff like what I pointed to that is liberty oriented conservatism. And then you're absolutely right on big tech and a few other things. He's doing some stuff that the common good conservatives and nationalists love. But what I would point out to you, and that's where I do disagree with DeSantis. I'm not a, a total DeSantis simp. But on big tech, for example, he's introduced these bills that were his attempt to use the state government to fight against wokeness and these big tech censorship they all have been struck down by the courts they're not implemented they're not achieving anything he tried to find tech companies if they didn't platform politicians they disagreed with that's just like a first amendment non-starter so it ended up mostly being a cultural signaling effort i guess but the actual legislation it didn't accomplish anything so i think if anything you're totally right nationalists and people on the right who want common good conservatism do point to DeSantis. But the core things that he's done that have been so important are liberty oriented. And then the areas where he has kind of tried this other tact haven't really worked, in my opinion.
0: Mm. One thing I want to talk to you about is that you say nationalist. And I'm uh, uh, just assuming I'm picking up that you don't agree with nationalism, which I won't, I don't know if that's necessarily what these people mean when they say based. It seems more like they're talking about social conservatism. Although I will say I I do think that there is a strain of nationalism. And this is something, honestly, that I've just started to learn about in the past couple of years. You seem to be saying nationalism in a derogatory way. And so I'm curious your thoughts on it.
1: Well, I think we have to define nationalism. I'm using I would, def- I would kind of combine the right into two factions. On one hand, you have people like Rand Paul and Mike Lee. That's my kind of GOP. Free market capitalists, limited government people, um, but they're not like total libertarians and socially liberal or anything.
0: Yeah. Uh, but
1: then you also have Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton and J.D. Vance and Tucker Carlson and those types of people. And that's who I'm talking about when I'm talking about nationalists. It's just hard to find a great word to put on them. Um, So I'm not trying to use that as a pejorative, though I am using it to distinguish what I don't agree with, because nationalism, like I'm a patriot, I love America, I think our country's great. Um, That's not what I mean by nationalism. What I mean is kind of a right wing, big government friendly ideology um, that's rooted in a different form of the collective, right? The common good using the state to fight for our interests rather than decentralizing I mean, one of the best things we could do to solve a lot of these problems would be to um, go to federalism and honestly, like take a lot of these debates out of the national level and let Florida be Florida and California be California. Now, California isn't content with that. And that's a part of the problem. But right now, neither are many Republicans and, and many conservatives. They also want to dictate how California can live. Uh, and I think that in that way, um, we've gotten away from that principle that could be a salvation for this, because right now I'm really concerned about the direction of our country. It's, it's ripping it up. Uh, we're ripping apart at the seams. We're fighting each other more than ever. Um, and I think that what we need is a different vision. Also, young people on the right um, do tend to be more liberty oriented, more socially moderate, yet we still need to kind of convince them that they should favor the Constitution, limited government, capitalism, not socialism. And I don't think that either Donald Trump's brand of conservatism or a super hardcore, socially conservative nationalism can really take that fight into the next generation, which is part of what we wanna do with base politics.
0: All right, guys, Valentine's Day is coming up and flowers are sweet, but she'd prefer sleep. Show you care by giving your Valentine the gift of better sleep and wellness from CB Distillery. With everything that's going on in the world and maybe even this conversation, which two people are respectfully disagreeing, maybe it's stressing you out a little bit and you just kind of, you you need something to help you chill. Well, CB Distillery has lots of products that can safely and effectively do just that. The potential health benefits of CBD are pretty impressive from better sleep to less worry and more calm. That could be a really good Valentine's gift for the person in your life who needs it. With over 2 million customers, CB Distillery is Uh, the source to trust for safe, effective, and natural CBD products. And you never need a prescription at cbdistillery.com. Show your valentine how thoughtful you are and how much you care. With a sweet gift assortment of CBD products from cbdistillery.com, be sure to use promo code LOVE, L-O-V-E, for 20% off. Again, that's promo code LOVE at cbdistillery.com. Going back to nationalism, I wouldn't say necessarily that how you defined it is the real definition of nationalism, which is the belief in nation states. Like, I believe that America and her traditions and her customs and her foundation is good. I don't want it to be France. I don't want France to be America. And I would say the opposite of a nationalist is is not, you know, a small government libertarian necessarily, but is really an imperialist. You know, you talked about the importance of federalism that we shouldn't want California to be Florida. Well, a nationalist also says, "Well, I don't want France to be America or I don't want uh, you know, Mexico to be America. I'm not going to impose American values on all of these countries around the world in the name of liber- But really, uh, it doesn't tend to accomplish that. It tends to accomplish just a lot of um, chaos and havoc, I think. And we're seeing it right now. So I think a nationalist would say that I am for our nation first. I want to prioritize the interests of our people first. That doesn't mean that we hate immigrants. Doesn't mean that we hate other countries, but we want to maintain the sovereignty of our country, the strength of our borders we want our country to be a place where the American family can thrive, and so yes, we do believe maybe in enacting policies that you know encourage the formation of the family or whatever it is that help uh, you know the a working class family be able to survive and thrive. I don't even know if that though that latter part is a part of nationalism, but it is about national interest and putting the interests of your country first. It's not about denigrating other countries, but It is about your own nation's sovereignty. It's about the importance of nation states and actually believing um, in a form of anti-imperialism. And I would say that's very conservative. So I guess I just don't understand really using nationalists as like this derogatory term.
1: Well, so the way you just described it, I agree with most of that, right? I believe in America first foreign policy, like Donald Trump said. I'm all about that. Um, So maybe we don't want to use the word nationalist, I guess. We can use the word populist. I mean, I, all I'm trying to do is put a label on the type of people that are on the right that big want government, to, conservatives. big government, right? gotcha. big government conservatives. So I don't I'm not super dedicated to the word nationalist. Some of them use that to describe themselves. Um. So I'm not trying to fight over one label or anything, and I'm also not trying to like use it as a pejorative. I'm just trying to differentiate the groups and factions to show what I am and what I'm not, and what I think is right and what I think isn't. But I am actually, and and this is a point of agreement between some of these people and folks like myself and Hannah based politics is I am about the American interests on the international stage, and I'm not about neoconservatism or spreading democracy or invading the globe or any of those things. So maybe that's one area where we can agree on what is base.
0: I do. I do think that that is an area of agreement for the most part when it comes to foreign policy between libertarians and maybe what you would call nationalist populists, the populism that it sounds like you really don't – that you really don't agree with. I do think that that is actually a very important commonality between the two, because then you can say, okay, we agree on this outside stuff. Now let's come together and, and talk about what policies we think are good, because I also think we have the same goal. Like I get I'm guessing that you want the American family to thrive. I'm guessing that you want a thriving working class. You want there to be lots of jobs. You want people to be able to provide for their family on maybe one income. Um, And a lot of the problems that we see in wokeness, like we agree on. So really, the question is how? How do we combat those things? And I think your answer to that is basically you fight bad ideas with good ideas. You don't use the power of the government to push back, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about some of those ideas and maybe where we disagree because I am a social conservative and I hold I hold the view that social conservatism is actually necessary and actually that just not that everyone believes in Christian theology, but having the Judeo-Christian foundation as the foundation of conservatism and our lawmaking in the United States is actually necessary for all of the other conservative policies that you and I agree on when it comes to the free market and things like that. But you disagree. So can you talk about your perspective on the why? Like, why do you believe in the First Amendment, not just from the pragmatic point of view, but like, why do you believe that human beings have rights that governments should respect?
1: Well, for me, free speech is is a human right. And so is freedom of religion. But where because, do human rights come from? Well, that, I, that's a very deep question. And that's what I want to know.
0: That's what I really want to know from my friends but I'm not who a, are. I'm
1: not an atheist. I'm, I'm okay. an agnostic. Uh, and, and my answer would be. Like, I don't know. I don't claim to have the deep philosophical answers to everything. And what I would say about whether um, it really depends what you mean by Judeo-Christian values. Obviously, that's a big answer. I believe that a lot of the things, you know, into America's foundation that includes a lot of Christian ideals are good and should be preserved. But my fundamental value, uh, one of them, is tolerance, not in the woke sense, but in the sense of living side by side, getting along, even though we don't agree. So for like, I'll give you an example on my podcast, I had Jack Phillips on, right? I'm an agnostic gay person. Um, he is a, obviously a Christian, a social yeah. conservative who doesn't support gay marriage, wouldn't bake a gay wedding cake. We had a long conversation, very friendly. He is all about, you know, just doing his own thing. I don't want to force him to bend to my will. And that is, all I ask is that he doesn't do things like you know, anti-sodomy laws, right, or outlawing gay marriage, these kinds of things that then are using the state to infringe on other people and promote your own values. I think we all need to live side by side. He Mm. needs to have his religious freedom and his free speech, and I won't infringe it. And we can all share a society, even though we have deeply held disagreements. That's what's always been beautiful about America.
0: Yeah. I I wonder, there are a couple questions that I have, like, what is the limitation? Because obviously, as you said, you're not an anarchist. And so there are some things that should actually be illegal. And so like when it comes to, for example, hormone treatment for children, I think that that should be illegal. But what would be your take on that if your idea is that we should just kind of, you know, live and let live?
1: Well, the difference is, um, live and let live applies to consensual adults, not children. So I actually agree with you. Um, I, I have a lot of compassion for kids that experience gender dysphoria, but I think they can't consent to medical life altering medical treatments. So I think maybe starting at the age of 16 or 18, they should be able to do that. But I, I agree with you that they can't consent to something like that. I mean, uh, even as a gay person, right? Like I, I have I remember having feelings or, or confusion as early as five, but I couldn't have dis- defined my sexuality or made any life altering choices or a child doesn't even understand what the concept of sex in terms of gender and sex even means. So how they could make irreparable, irreversible medical decisions on it. Um, I agree with you, but that's something where I view um, the same way I'm, I'm pro-life, perhaps not quite all as far as maybe someone like you, but I'm generally pro-life because I view it as a violation of interpersonal rights. And that's the difference is I'm all about individual liberty, but individual liberty does not include the ability to infringe on someone else's rights.
0: Okay, last sponsor for the day. And this one would also make a really good Valentine's gift. This is Paint Your Life. So what you do is you submit a picture to painterlife.com. And then an expert painter, professional painter actually paints the picture that you submitted. And it is amazing. I mean, it's like this professional painting done in less than two weeks and is then shipped to your front door. And, you know, you can get it framed and all that good stuff. And it's not just a great gift to, you know, a valentine or, you know, spouse, whatever it is, but also just for yourself. It's good decoration. And if you don't want to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on a painting, then paint your life can be a really great alternative. It looks great and it is super affordable. You choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. It's a user-friendly platform, makes it easy to order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than 5 minutes. You can receive your portrait in as little as 2 weeks. Send any picture that you want. It can even be an action shot, it can be, you know, a family photo, a wedding photo, it can be some landscape that you like and they can turn it into a beautiful painting. It's meaningful, it's personal, it's personal it can be Cherished forever uh, at paintyourlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's a really good deal. 20% off your painting and free shipping. To get that special offer, text the word relatable to 64,000. That's relatable to 64,000. Text relatable to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text relatable to 64,000. And I think that one of the reasons, though, why classical liberalism is seen as maybe just not a formidable foe against the leftist ideology that we see today is because it very often stops at kind of where you stopped the why. Why do we have human rights? Like, why do we respect free speech? Why do we r- respect freedom of religion? For me, it's rooted in. Um, who, who made us. It's rooted in this idea that there is a transcendent moral lawgiver. And Because there's a transcendent moral lawgiver, there is no earthly authority that can then supersede it. Uh, the government doesn't give or take away my rights. God did that. And therefore, I have innate rights that cannot be arbitrarily taken away. And I think that wokeism in its own way, leftism, is also a religion, its ideas about human nature and where we come from and where human beings are going and what are rights versus privilege. It is rooted in a long philosophical ideological history that is very religious in nature. And it's almost really a theological discussion that we are having. Like, what are humans? Why are we valuable? Where does that value come from? Is it possible to change from a man to a woman? What are children? Why do parents have rights? Like, what is the family? All of these are theological questions. And I would say that that is one issue that I typically have with like with libertarians and agnostic and atheist libertarians when you're talking about these issues, is that you talk about them from a pragmatic point of view, which of course is important. But the why, you kind of just, you can't answer. And that is one reason why I think ultimately the form of classical liberalism that we are seeing espoused by by you even though i think that you're a wonderful person it just it doesn't hold up it doesn't hold up to the theological battle that we are seeing waged on the left on in my opinion
1: yeah look i understand what you're saying i think uh, I don't have the answer for, you know, what are human beings, where do our rights come from? But I think what's great about America is that everybody can decide these deep moral questions for themselves. A Muslim but we person. We can't and you, really,
0: because you you can't have a society where we are all our own gods. Like we all have to agree, right? Okay, but like you
1: believe in religious freedom, right? You we believe, we a believe in a religious and a freedom. Person, we believe and,
0: in religious freedom, but don't we all have to agree? Like, okay, this is just the bare minimum. I'm not saying, okay, you have to agree with all of my different theology and in order for us to function in society. You and I definitely agree on that. And thankfully, or else, you know, the Catholic nationalists that you were talking about, they don't agree with me on a lot of the theological stuff either. So that would be a problem. But when it comes to, like, the foundation of, like, what laws should we pass and why? People say a lot, you can't legislate morality, but of course you can. Of course you do. The uh, a law against murder is legislating morality, and it speaks to what we think about human beings. Why is it bad to kill someone? So, Like, my thing is, why don't we all need to kind of agree on the why behind why we're here and what morality is for us to function? To me, that is why we are so polarized.
1: But I think, well, we do have to legislate morality. It's interpersonal morality that we have to legislate. Uh, And I agree that we need a shared understanding there. It's individuals who I think should be able to make their own choices about their lives, consensual adults, and live side by side very differently. Um, But when it comes, we we need to agree on basic human dignity, human rights, the sovereignty of a human being as an individual, American principles like free speech. These are the things we have to agree on. And I agree it's very concerning people on the left don't agree on. Um, So there is some borderline consensus But I don't think it has to be religious, although maybe that's where it stems from for a lot of people. I think we just have to agree uh, on this. For example, I'm very pro-immigration, right? Very pro-immigration. But I don't think we should have immigration um, for people that reject all of our values, right? Uh, (laughs) um, And so I think people who want to come and live in a pluralistic, tolerant, free society with religious freedom and free speech and a constrained federal government. That's that's what we should all need to have to agree on um, in order to live side by side. But I don't think we have to all share even the same religious orientation, let alone the details, which you're not saying, um, because uh, America, we've always lived with atheists and agnostics and Christians and Jews. And and that's part of what makes us great.
0: I think it's just I think I want us to at least be able to acknowledge the foundation of like where liberty comes from, where rights come from. And my argument would would be, at least on the conservative side, that understanding that foundation of where rights come from, like why we don't believe in the unfettered power of the government, that that, in my opinion, is all also going to lead us to have certain social views that I think are integral to conservatism. Like you talk about, okay, yes, we're legislating interpersonal morality, but not individual morality. And you know to an extent, I think that that is probably true except then I think about, okay, but the individual turns into the interpersonal so quickly. like if you're talking about someone like Leah Thomas who okay, you could just say that that is a person, you know, uh doing what they want to do, living their truth, whatever well. That individual decision to try to present as a woman is now affecting other people. So is there a place for the state to come in and say, no, you can't do that? I would say I would say yes, but I'm afraid you would say no, there's no power. there's no place for the state to come in because that's just an individual moral decision so- that they're making.
1: I'm only vaguely familiar. What, what is Leah Thomas's sports competition in? Is that oh, Olympic this is, or this college? This is
0: swimming. So, UPenn, um, he's at UPenn. He swam as a collegiate swimmer and now swims on the women's team.
1: For the Olympics?
0: No, I'm sorry. No, just UPenn. Just University of oh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, is that a private school or a public school?
0: Um, I guess it's a public school. I'm not sure. I don't know if y'all know so, if it's public or private, but yeah,
1: I guess mean, reg- that would,
0: regardless, I just don't think men should be able to compete against women.
1: What I would say is that if a private university wants to have what I consider to be unscientific or foolish rules about sports, um, like you're saying, like a biological male could compete with women swimming, I think they should be able to do that. I think at a public school, you have things like Title IX and equal access and anti-discrimination laws that would would I think, if interpreted correctly, prohibit that kind of thing, because it's a form of discrimination against women. Um, but I mean, for this person to want to just live their life how they see fit in general as an adult, I have no problem with.
0: Yeah, I guess my question is when it becomes because that's that's the whole thing that we have really had that we've really seen. Um since a, a sense of Bergefell is that the individual what we were told okay this is just individual this is two people they want to get married and that's that. And all the conservative Christians were like, this is a slippery slope. There's going to be a baker one day who was forced to bow down to the sexual revolution. And we were all told, no, 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 that's not going to happen. These are just people who want to live and let live. The personal becomes interpersonal really quickly. And so like my question is, like, when does the government step in? Because as you just mentioned, like Jack Phillips is Rights were trampled upon um, in the name of tolerance, in the name of what I call, you know, the sexual and moral revolution, which has gone really quickly over the past five to 10 years. And I think we're seeing it even more so when it comes to the transgender issue. Like, do I have a right to be in a bathroom with only women or do I not? To me, the state has a role to play there.
1: I think it depends um, what that bathroom is, where it's located, what law it's bound by. And I think we also, the, the, the you're absolutely right. It's tricky to draw a line between personal and interpersonal. But you could flip this and make left left wing arguments like your free speech isn't personal. It affects other people. It affects other people's safety. And I think this it just becomes a very, your religion affects my mental health because it stigmatizes me in mm. society. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that, to be clear. Right. But what I'm saying is it is a slippery slope. But what I'm saying is we have to draw it firmly at interpersonal, right? Abortion is interpersonal. It's one human ending the life of another. Me slapping someone is interpersonal.
0: But you actually Me- believe that abortion is okay sometimes, right?
1: No, but I'm I'm generally pro-life.
0: What does that mean? I don't.
1: Ha- uh, it means that I would favor certain exceptions.
0: Okay. So you do believe that it's okay to take an innocent person's life sometimes. So where do you why? Like, does that apply to other things? Like, is that your principle?
1: I mean, I'm like, I I agree with pro life positions in like 98% of cases. And I think almost all abortions should be outlawed. So I don't I mean, and it's also I will say this, it's not really like one of my issues that I'm I don't talk about it. I don't advocate about it. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll happily discuss my views on it, but yeah. it's not something where I'm trying to shape the conversation one way or another or am particularly involved or researched yeah. or passionate.
0: Well, I'm just trying to figure out with libertarians, like what is the line? What is the line between personal and interpersonal? Like I'm against abortion in all circumstances because I believe that taking an in innocent life is wrong in all circumstances. And so- Like, I kind of draw that line kind of clearly. And I don't know actually the answer, though, in all circumstances, to be totally fair. Like, what is the line between personal and interpersonal? Where does the state step in? And I guess I'm just trying to understand from the more libertarian or classical liberal standpoint, like, where where that line is drawn.
1: Um, But I want to go back to something you said a minute ago. And I think you're right that after Obergefell, uh, the, the, kind of LGBT left and social left, they went in a very illiberal direction and started targeting people. But I would also say um, that in many ways, that has vindicated our classically liberal structures. Jack Phillips won at the Supreme Court um, and also bestiality isn't legalized. Um, polygamy isn't legalized. A lot of the slippery slope arguments that were made against gay marriage w- haven't come true. I would say that the well.
0: was almost seven Years ago, so barely. Now, I'm not saying that gay marriage and bestiality are the same thing. I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying you know. that it's, you know, I don't think when a Fell happened that we would have thought that we would be having a conversation about whether a man can truly become a woman. I do think that it's fair to say. That, wow, that was a huge change. It should have been decided, I think, on the legislative level. You probably agree with that uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the states. Um, And wow, that has changed so much. And I would say. It's gone beyond even the wildest slippery slope dreams of um, of conservative Christians when you're talking about, you know, men being in women's locker rooms and, and but that and has nothing like that. to do
1: with gay marriage. Gay and trans are fundamentally distinct concepts. In but communities.
0: well, I would say I would say, yes, that is true. But wouldn't you say that the LGBTQ leftist activist wing has worked very hard to conflate those two things and has really yes, tried have, to make I've it this homogenous? group that says, you know, if you are opposed to so-called trans rights, then you're, you know, opposed to the LGBTQ movement in general. And so it's almost hard to distinguish between the two now because, you know, organizations like the ACLU have made them completely conflated.
1: Yeah, but I've spent a lot of time criticizing and pushing back on that attempt to do so because You're right. They've done that. I don't think conservatives should buy into that, though, or or accept that as a premise, because sexual orientation and gender identity or biological sex are completely distinct things. Um, And I think that we have different. uh, I'll just say this, and I'm not I'm not someone who I don't believe in being anti trans in terms of any like. Hatred or animus. I have compassion for these people But I definitely hold a lot of views that the left-wing LGBT activists would consider anti-trans And so does almost every young conservative. I know But most of them are totally cool with gay people fine with gay marriage Whatever that is a very real thing in society. A lot of people make a distinction between LGB and the rest of the alphabet where it starts to get off the reservation
0: yeah, and we've had a lot of people, I think almost all women actually that we've had on who hold that same position, especially in the UK, and have really organized to kind of push back against that because they see it as a diminishment of what they have fought for as well and even a diminishment of the definition of what, you know, is meant by being a homosexual. And so we've talked to a lot of people um that are on the same page there. Of course, I do believe in the encouragement of um, of the natural family, there are different ethical issues that again, this is like where the personal and interpersonal they just become so intricately interwoven that it's difficult to distinguish. Like, I think that um the fertility industry when it comes to the redefinition of marriage and reproduction is like a huge ethical issue that we don't want to talk about. And we don't want to get involved in because it feels politically incorrect. You're going to be called homophobic. If you talk about some of, you know, the issues with sperm donation and egg donation and surrogacy and things like that, I would say that that is something that has also taken off since a fell that, um, you know, it it does require conservatives to make a position on because, again, it asks that question, like, where is the line? What is a right? What is a privilege? And do the definitions of marriage and procreation and all of those things really matter? As a conservative, I think we still have to conserve the most fundamental tenets of those things. And I just see the effort to try to, like, detach social conservatism from the rest of conservatism very, very difficult when it comes to things like, you know definition of the family and things like that.
1: Well, I I don't know about detach as much as I think make room for it to coexist with other visions, Mm. because like I'm all about um, very pro adoption for gay parents. I think gay parents can can and have raised tons of happy and healthy, successful children. There's lots of studies on that. I agree with you. There are some ethical issues about surrogacy, about um creating in a lab right a new life for but i those also apply to straight yes
0: i was about to say that i also have the same position when it comes to uh straight couples doing the same thing so
1: so i don't know if we necessarily i i don't really view that as a gay or anti-gay issue it's like kind of surrogacy is its own thing that i will say i'm not super um knowledgeable about or into It was just an
0: example of how the personal becomes interpersonal really quickly. And also, like, if you have the position, a lot of conservatives do and think this is integral to conservatism, that all children have a right to a mother and a father. That's also a debate to be had that I really think that we need to have between people like you who are more socially moderate and people like me who are socially conservative, maybe not today. But I think honestly... It goes back to kind of what we were talking about in the beginning, just fundamentally our two sides within conservatism, I think, need to decide if we agree, like, on basic principles of conservatism or if we're totally just missing each other. Does that make sense? Well,
1: and I think that historically, you know, 10 years ago in the Tea Party, right, social conservatives like yourself um, or, or like Glenn Beck, right, uh, we we had overlap because with libertarians like Rand Paul because we all yeah. agreed on these basic first premises. The problem is that these new uh, people in the right, we can call them populists, we can call them nationalists or whatever, when they say actually big government is good, when they say actually we need to tear up the First Amendment and go after woke people, they're breaking with those principles that allowed us Mm -hmm. to be part of a coalition and to have our shared principles. So I still share those principles. I, I haven't moved. I don't think people like Rand Paul have moved. Some people, the Josh Hollies of the world. They do see things differently and they have moved.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's super interesting discussion to have because like I do, I agree with you on so much. I think that if we were to line up our views on things, even if the why underneath them weren't the same, I think that we do agree on a lot of principles. I do think that there should be more debate, though, because to me, really, the debate between the people that you're calling kind of like populists and um and you and I'm Somewhere within there is really about the role of the government, but also these social issues and the why underneath the social issues and I just think it's I just think it's a worthy debate, and I think the younger generation come coming up i don't think that we can just say well they're going to be socially liberal or socially moderate. I think that we need to present them with both sides of the coin. And I think that they need to see those kind of healthy discussions and debates because there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to think about within the different factions of conservatism. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, certainly. I do.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, where can people follow you and read more about, um, you know, what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so head to based-politics.com or just search based politics wherever you listen to your podcast to check out the new project with me and Hannah Cox. We're also on social media everywhere, um, and and with that, I, I hope people will check it out. If you're interested in the future of the right, whether you're a libertarian, whether you're a conservative, I mean, that is we are going to be pushing back on the left, advocating for our vision of what the right should look like. Uh, And so we're going to be having this debate and these are really important conversations. So thanks for having me and, and let's keep doing it.
0: Yeah, they really are. And I will definitely be following because I do like I just find myself more sympathetic to like Tucker Carlson conservatism nowadays. And honestly, and not to just keep extending this conversation, but I've, I, I've seen a shift, not just in me and the people I know, but a lot of conservatives online. Maybe it was after George Floyd. I'm not really sure. But there's been a tipping point for a lot of people over the past couple of years. And I think the reason why you're important and your voice is important and what you're doing is important is because at the very least, it causes me to think about, well, why have I moved kind of in that direction? And am I still staying true to the principles that I actually believe in as a conservative? So I do appreciate your voice and your perspective. And um, I think these discussions are really important. So thank you. Thank you.